Good evening, everyone. It's time for Necromaniacs. This week, uh, it's me and Mike. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to our series of guest co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we try to mix it up a little bit. Uh, you know, Rennie and, and uh, Ralph, you know, good friends of the show and good personal friends, too. Yeah, uh, Rennie actually goes uh, way back with me, back to... Before some listeners might have even been born, uh, I met Rennie from uh, Starkweather back in 1991, actually. <laughs> so, Damn, dude. A really long time ago. Um, my, my, my old band, uh, Confusion, was playing at Lemoore uh, for the first time, and he was there checking out a friend of his band. And as it turned out, um, I had had the Starkweather demo in my collection already, because Lament, my brother John's band, had played a show with them and brought the demo home and was like, you got to hear this. And and thus the the long friendship uh, began. But uh, I want to say what's up to Rennie and, of course, what's up to my brother John, John Draper of the Break the Apocalypse podcast. Uh, they've been throwing out a lot of love for us uh, every week, Mike. So uh, thank you to John and Brian and, uh, yeah awesome people here of course shaheem as well there's uh three guys on that podcast so that's awesome yeah thanks a lot man you know I, it's been a minute since i've seen your brother john man i'd love to see john at some point again yeah no i mean you know hopefully you know when when things get a bit better we, we could all uh, hang and, and you know in person that would be amazing but uh speaking of of covid stuff um I'll be getting my first uh, vaccination uh, this coming Thursday, uh, which is uh, April 14th or 15th, I believe. So I'm very excited about that. I'll be getting the Pfizer. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully no no weird reaction. But I, from what I understand, like on the first shot, your arm hurts a little. But for one of my buddies, uh, my buddy Dion in the last stand, he said he had nothing for both of his shots. So it probably just varies from person to person. You know what? Neither neither of my parents had any side effects either. Hmm. You know, so yeah. you know, some people get away with, with nothing, you know. No, that's great. I mean, you know, I it's just it's just great to see people I know and people in bands and stuff like, you know, doing their part and, and getting vaccinated. Um, you know, everyone in my band is vaccinated but me at this point. And uh, we, we actually ha have some, some very good news. I just, just wanted to share real quick that uh, The Last Stand is going to be playing uh, in Tompkins Square Park on, on May 8th for the uh, record release show of this New York hardcore compilation we're on. So we are uh, excited about that. Um, it's a socially distant show, you know, mask mandatory show. And I think there's going to be like a cap on how many people they kind of let in in the immediate area of that band shell in Tompkins Square Park, but it should be a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. That's uh who else is any other bands playing? Uh yeah, and uh Antidote oh, is wow. playing. Uh we're playing um and uh, three or four other bands a band called Reaching Out from New Jersey, um the Car Bomb Parade from New York, uh Crazy Eddie, which is a, a newer New York hardcore band with some of the guys from uh, Fahrenheit 451, and um, a band with some of the guys from Doggy Dog and it called Kings Never Die. Um, so I think it's about six bands. So uh, yeah, come, come on out if you're in New York City, Saturday, 
May 8th, hopefully the weather will be cool. <laughs> Dude, how how is it going to be playing live for the first time, man, in a long time? Um, Very odd. Uh, the last show I played was May uh, March 8th or 9th in Long Island, like days before the world went upside down. And um, I, I, I maintain at that night at the club in Long Island, under the music hall, there was, there was an interesting vibe. Even that night, like I felt it, like, you know? Yeah. So it, it'll be very, very cool to do this. And, you know, I, I have a funny feeling you'll, you'll see more outdoor stuff for, for the remainder of, of the nicer months. And then hopefully, you know, by the end of the year or in the fall or whatever, we could see some indoor stuff, but right now in New York, there's 33% capacity for indoor venues, which is basically translated into no one having shows because you can't have a show with 33% capacity. So, yeah. Yeah. All I know is that there is, uh, you know, things going on for the fall. Yeah. That, oh yeah. That, uh, you know, there's people talking, uh, ministry is playing, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. yeah, their whole thing got rescheduled, and um, I'm, I'm actually I got tickets for them down in Philly. So, uh, oh, awesome! You know, and, and uh, London London May is playing drums for Ministry on this tour, so that should be cool. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah, he did a great interview with you, so that should be all, he's a fucking great drummer, man. Awesome, yeah. good guy, good guy too. Totally, totally, but um, yeah. Hopefully uh, all of our listeners are out there doing well. And uh, hello to all the new people. Welcome aboard. Um, just as, as a little aside, what we like to do is at the early on portion of the episode, Mike and I will, will chat a bit about uh, what we've been, uh, you know, either listening to or reading or watching aside from our, our main feature, so to speak, for every episode we have a, a feature film we discuss, right, Mike? Yeah, I, I also like to think that uh, the preview stuff, you know, <laughs> also kind of like, like I know people have, have mentioned to me that they, they checked out, you know, some of the various books and other movies and comics yeah. and records that we talked about too. So that, that's part of the show too, you know, in my opinion. No, definitely, definitely. But uh, so in, in that spirit, Mike, what have you been checking out, Mr. Hill? Well, it's funny you ask because uh, I just got my Blu-ray, my brand new uh, Shout Factory Blu-ray of Event Horizon a couple of days ago. Oh, very nice. Unfortunately, it's the <laughs> cut that I've been watching for the last like twenty-something years. <laughs> uh oh. But it's it's filled with uh, very good extras, like a oh, okay. documentary about the making of interviews. Um, I haven't watched all the extras, but. I believe that those missing scenes of when they go into hell, mm. are, there's there's hints of those on there. So they don't. I don't know if they show all of them, but it's like like I said, I, I haven't gotten through the whole thing yet. But in some of the other extras, they they reveal some of those some of that footage. Oh and, wow! And it's fucking awesome. And I wish that they someday would release like a cut, an extended cut with all that stuff in there. And apparently, there's. There's even other stuff, non-hellish stuff, that's even more brutal that was cut from the movie just for uh, time constraints. Like, you know, it was um, becoming long. Like, there's, like, it could have been, like, maybe a two-hour film. Mm, that's wild, man. Look, I really like that movie. I haven't seen it 
in a little bit, and I, I would like to watch it again. I, I remember, I, I believe I did see it in the theater back in the day, which was yeah. a lot of fun to see in the theater. I mean, it's it's late 90s, and it's it came out at a time when there was a lot of crap, I think, I think in America. And then you had a movie like this, which was like, whoa, you know? So I think it always stood out from its time period. I maintain that it's probably one of the better horror films to come out in the 90s, really. Mm -hmm. you know, that, oh, totally. There's a pretty low bar for the most part, in, Amer in America at least. You know? Yeah. No, yeah. Um, I would put it up there as, as a best of the 90s. If we were ever to do a top 10 of a best of the 90s, it's completely in the top 10. I mean, you know. Yeah, you know, the movie definitely holds up. I mean, you know, it's practical effects. Spaceships are all like models that looks they look great. Uh, you know, there is some CG in there that does not hold up. And then there, of course, there's a, you got to remember the movie came out in the 90s. So there's like some 90s cliches that seem a little dated. But other than that, it's a great movie, man. It's fucking amazing, in my opinion. One of my favorites. Awesome. Anything on the on the on the reading front? Well, you and I both read the Manhunter book. Yes, I yeah. finished it. As well, and I, I know you, you'd said offline that you felt perhaps since it was translated from, you know, Swedish, that it, it might have lost a little bit for you in that translation. Yeah, I as mean, far, it was as far as grabbing you. Yeah, well, it was it was definitely interesting. Like, let's put mm -hmm. it this way. I, I um, the story is pretty is compelling. They, you know, I like that they spent a whole section of the book talking about the philosophy uh you know, behind this guy. Cause like, let's, let's like actually get it straight that he's not a, a mass murderer, serial killer. That's into the occult. Mm. He's, he's an occultist <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that is using like, serial murder to develop funding for his occult practices. Yeah. Like it's just such a weird, interesting, bizarre story. Like, I, I was texting with, with Mr. Hill and I said that Thurman fr from the Manhunter book is in a, is somewhat like Charles Manson, somewhat, in that into the occult, very charismatic, but kind of like this unassuming charismatic. Like he's this very thin, kind of gaunt guy. Like I, I think anybody would have walked right past him on the streets of the 30s in Sweden back then and not not – thought a single thing that this guy was doing occult rituals and telepathy and and sacrifice and you know what i'm saying it's just like so crazy and like ahead of, like immediately you think ahead of its time for what was happening but not really that much ahead of its time because uh, alistair crowley was was doing his thing a very long time ago as well i mean crowley was not a murderer though and he was not a terrorist i mean there's these guys, the Salad Gang, were almost essentially doing terrorist activities, and they had plans to bomb more like uh, like post offices and plans to bomb like official buildings in Sweden and government buildings. And it's just a very interesting story, very different, you know. I thought, and I was I was pretty into it. Yeah, they, they were like very black metal in that in that way, you know, how like yes. like black metalers from like the early '90s, like that second wave in Norway. <laughs> We're like real extreme, and that's how these guys were, you know. And I was going to say that there's definitely uh, I can see 
the other, his other henchmen, his other acolytes that were involved in the cult reminded me of like other people that were part of uh, Crowley's like, you know, Thelema, like Thelema, yeah. like all mm-hmm. his like people that he was, uh, had around him, you know, kind of like esoteric guys, you know, like intellectuals, like pseudo intellectuals. And then there was that one guy that was like the muscle, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. He looked, he looked almost the scariest of, of the bunch of them, too, that guy. I know you're talking about. Yeah. But um, I, I see, like, this amazing film that, that could come of this. I mean, hey, for all we know, there was some kind of Swedish film that we just are, aren't aware of, right? I mean, there, there might have been something in sure. Sweden. I'm sure maybe on Swedish television or whatever. But uh, I, I could see a, an amazing American-made movie about this if anybody ever dared to to check it out. I mean, I, I think a lot of people would find that the appeal in the overall story, although it's, you know, kind of like an undergroundish thing that, you know, uh, that we're kind of talking about in our kind of world where like we found it from a metal distribution. You know what I'm saying? We didn't even find it from, you know, a horror mag or from true crime. We literally, I mean, I found it from where I pick up black metal records. So, you know, that little crossover. Yeah. No, I, I would like to see a movie made out of this story for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, myself, I finally uh, am completely caught up on Better Call Saul. I, I just broke down and... <laughs> just banged it out. <laughs> well, I paid for season five on Amazon because season five is being held hostage because what they normally would do with Better Call Saul, which I didn't seem to figure out, is they wouldn't put the prior episode on demand or up for free until the new season was out. But because of COVID, there is no new season. Thus season five, which ended well over a year ago, has been sitting in kind of a no man's land where you could only just buy it at this point. Like it's not streaming for free. Ah, it's on- bastards. Yeah. So I just got so into rewatching the whole thing that I had to watch season five and, and boy, it, it was worth the money. It was worth the 20 bucks because it's just so fucking good, man. Oh my God. I'm just so into it. And now I've decided to go back and rewatch breaking bad. So, you know. yeah, that, that breaking bad is great. And, and I, I really enjoyed better call Saul, but it's one of those things where I, I watched like the first season. I really enjoyed it. And I, I don't know what happened, but I just didn't continue, but I, I want to go back and rewatch the whole thing again for sure. It's it's slow burn. I mean, I like in Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad to crime series. I really do. Yes, they're drama. Yes, they have a little f- funny moments, whatever. But uh, to me, it's it's crime shows. Yeah. You know, um, because there's so many criminals, especially in Better Call Saul. There's a lot of heavies actually. Uh, once you hit season four and season five of Better Call Saul, a lot of interesting characters, and it just a lot of dudes that like fucking chew the scenery, a lot of tough guys. So I, I, I like that kind of shit. So I'm just really enjoying that. Um, aside from that, I've been just on, on a big, you know, music kick, not so much more on the reading kick, but I, uh, ever, ever, ever fuck with eternal champion, the heavy metal band. You know what? I know the name, but I've never actually listened to them. Like, and, and, and I, I'm passingly familiar with them. Like, I don't yeah, really they're, know they're a little Texas, bit about them. Texas band, re- uh, really good. Uh, they got two LPs that I that I've been really digging. 
um, I've discovered this uh, band from Canada, black metal band called Mulan Banal, who, who dropped an album like November, December of 2020. It is just really, really good, really different. A lot of these Canadian black metal bands have this very interesting musical style uh, that separates them from, from a lot of the other bands playing black metal that I can't really put my finger on how to verbalize it, but like bands like Fortress, Mulan Banal, and then there's another one I found that just have this really cool instrumentation to them, you know, and like riffing and kind of mixes folk music, I guess, but not in like a corny way. Um, I've been digging that a lot, and I've been digging the new uh, Undergang. Oh, yeah, uh, that band's sick. Band. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking great. And I, I've been on an old Merciful Fate kick um, and a King Diamond kick. So, and, and one more brand new band I want to give some props to. Uh, Transylvania, a band from Austria, who I, I just found them because I was checking out the 20 Buck Spin website, uh, another, you know, distributor. And I, you know, their album cover kind of was like, oh, wow, this looks really cool. It's called Of Sleep and Death. And I, you know, I, I hit the Bandcamp link and I was like, oh, shit, I liked it instantly. And I bought the record. And it's just like one of those things where it's like, if you check it out and you like it and then you buy the record and you fucking love it, it's just, you know, it's a good feeling. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're from uh, Austria, Transylvania. Uh, really, really good, different sounding black metal. It's just the kind where you just throw it on and it's just like, yep, I get it. I like this. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've been I've been going on a, a tear with some new stuff or new new to me. It's not necessarily new, mm -hmm. but newer newer stuff that I haven't really listened to before. And uh, leading the pack is this band called Trivax. That's mm -hmm. uh, they're they're from they're British. Well, they're based in in the UK. They only have stuff on Bandcamp. Like they don't they're not on a label right now. Oh wow. Yeah, so look them up on Bandcamp, Trivax, T-R-I-V-A-X. And it's like, you know, blackened death metal, uh, you know, more 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 on the black side, you know, but, mm -hmm. but still with some death metal vibes to it. Um, and then in the U.S., uh, this band called Atlas, which um, features uh, the, the guy from Nightbringer, which is uh, another, <laughs> another band that I, I really like a lot, too. Yeah, I know they are. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, this, this Transylvania band are on uh, Invictus Productions. The album is called Of Sleep and Death. It is really good. They also have a prior EP called The Night of Nights. Very, very good, instantly enjoyable black metal to me. So check that out, metalheads. Um, but tonight, our feature film is a movie, I think in the past seven years, we, we might have definitely talked about in passing, uh, that is the 2007 French film Inside. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna attempt the, the French pronunciation because you know I don't really know how to speak French <laughs> or whatever. But we are going to call it Inside tonight, folks. From directors Julianne Maury and Alexandre Bustillo, who actually some may also know went on to do the 2017 film Leatherface. Uh, later on did you, did you know that i did i did yeah, and, yeah now the other thing too he has like these other um horror films like french films that came out livid among the living and Can yeah. candisha and i haven't seen bunch. i haven't seen mm -hmm. any of those 
I know. You know what? I feel like a dick. They after uh, Inside in 2011 they did Livid. In 2014 they did Among the Living. 2017 Leatherface and 2020 Candesia, and they've got something coming this year called the Deep House. And as a result of the rewatch of Inside, I, I want to see all these fucking movies because these two guys are fucking amazing, right? Absolutely, yeah. And there was also talk of them uh, doing being involved in Halloween 2 and, Hell, and the Hellraiser remake. Now, going back to when Mike and I met, we met in 06 uh, at a comic store that my brother John and I had in Brooklyn called the Brooklyn Monster Factory. And Inside came out in 07. It was a movie that we watched at the store. We talked about it at the store. It was the time of the the new French extreme uh, cinema explosion. Um, and I remember even back then the talk of them doing the Halloween 2 from Rob Zombie and the Hot Clive Barker Hellraiser remake. But they left both of these projects. These projects were never realized. Rob Zombie, of course, went on to do, uh, you know, Halloween 2 on his own. Um, I had forgotten, though, that these guys were once attached to both of these projects, but they were, yeah. I could see a, a really good Hellraiser reimagining with these guys, actually. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I, personally, I, I feel like they definitely love Carpenter and Argento. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have – these guys know what the fuck they're doing, and – I put inside, honestly, perhaps at the top of the heap of the French extreme films. What do, what do you think? Uh, yeah, this and Martyrs, I think, are my two favorites so <laughs> far. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. There's there's a lot that I haven't seen, sadly, um, but I have seen a lot of it too. Like I've seen, uh, you know, Frontiers. I saw a bunch of you know Claire Denise films, uh, Trouble Every Day with uh, you know Vince Gallo and oh, yeah. Beecher's mm -hmm. Doll, who's in this film, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, uh, High Tension, you know, like all those the Gaspar No films, like those are all uh, I've seen quite a bit, but I haven't seen. I, I can't say that I have a comprehensive viewing of all those films, and there's a lot too which I just missed. So. Uh, yeah, I. But so far, these are out of out of all those films. I think Inside and Martyrs are probably my two top films out of the French extreme. Yeah, I've seen Frontiers, I've seen Martyrs, I've seen High Tension, I've seen Inside, I've seen Trouble Every Day, I've seen Irreversible, I've seen Sh Shaitan. Um, yeah, of all those ones, Inside is. I don't know. It's. It, I got to be honest. It's hard to say if it's the absolute best it might be though i don't know like that in height like i really love high tension i love this um i just feel like there's something about this movie that although it's 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 over the top and extreme and gory it is just really well made quality horror you know like it's not just fucked up crazy you know bullshit to make people throw up, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like that to me, you know? Like, some people, this might be a bit too much for, honestly, if you've never seen Inside. Um, to me, it was just enough too much, quote-unquote, if that makes any sense at all. Like, it was just enough of a fucking brutal, 
like blood feast, you know, but not so much so that I ever wanted to stop watching it or like was like, oh, my God, turn this off, you know? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, these two guys are, are in- incredibly gifted, talented filmmakers and uh, everything about the film has like a, a sense of quality to it. You know, the way it's shot, the acting is great. You know, Beatrice Dahl is like, you know, one of my one of my favorite French actresses, actually. I mean, she's I, I'm a fan of all the way back to Betty Blue when she was in that movie, like back in the 80s. Wow. You know, and, and uh, you know, she's been in a few American films. She was in uh, The Blackout, the Abel Ferrara movie, which is uh, actually kind of hard to find. Uh, have you ever seen that one? Mike? I need to see that. I need to see that movie. Yeah, I've never seen it. I have, I have the DVD of that. And uh, it's, it's dude, even out of Abel Ferrara's films, that's my favorite Abel Ferrara movie. Beatrice Dahl's in it. Um, mm. It's just great. But also, let's get back to her. She's has such presence, man. And she's just, uh, she fits perfectly in this film. That's a wild movie. It's a wild ride. You feel, you feel the danger in this film. And I think yeah. that's what, what really, why I like this so much, you know? No, totally. Like, it's funny. I know Mars is like, is like one of your, your biggies. I, I can't really watch it ever again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. I don't want to watch it again. I can't watch it again. But inside, like I said, I, I'm definitely going to watch it again. And it's just, I don't know, something about it really strikes a chord. Um, for the for those who do not know, give a, a bit of a rundown for inside. We're kind of going on as if everyone knows what we're talking about. But we can't <laughs> do that. We need to let people know more about this wonderful French film. Um, inside is a 2007 French horror film directed by Julianne Mari and Alexandra. Bustillo, starring Alison Paradis and Beatrice Dahl. Um, it, it was written by co-director Bustillo, and it is the first film of these two guys, like we said before. They went on to do a whole bunch of other stuff that Mike and I are going to do our homework on and check out their other films. Um, you could say it's a, a bit of a, a home invasion kind of film, but I think there's a bit more to it than just being a home invasion film. Uh, it concerns a, a young pregnant woman played by Alison Paradis, and a mysterious stranger, played by Beatrice Dahl, who seeks to take her unborn baby from her. Um, The film generally received positive reviews from mainstream critics upon its release and was particularly well-received among horror film critics, uh, noting it for being genuinely scary and a brutally violent example of the French new wave of horror, which Mike and I touched upon. Um, the thing is this, uh, I said this to Mike before we started rolling. I think what was going on with these French movies that harkens all the way back to 2001 with Trouble Every Day, uh, a movie with, uh, you know, Beatrice Dahl in it, which I saw in the theater, actually, with, with uh, on a date, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes, in Manhattan. Um, the late 90s was still suffering, I think, from a lot of really bad shit. There was multiple Scream sequels, the I Know What You Did Last Summers, and just, I don't know, just a lot of kind of whack, teen-oriented, WB, terrible movie poster horror, right, Mike? There was just kind of a lot of that going on. 
and it, it kind of bled a little bit into about 2000. And by the time these movies come out, I feel like it was exactly what horror fucking needed because right alongside this in America was the torture porn and saw kickoff, which I also think, although some people may not look super fondly upon that now was exactly what was needed as well. Um, well, yeah, I, the, during the nineties, I remember feeling like, wow, man, maybe, maybe American horror is dead. Maybe Americans don't know how to make these types of movies anymore. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, you know, the, the, these French guys came out and, and started, <laughs> I mean, it was like a, a one, two punch, man. Like all these films, um, you mm. know, I think some of the earlier ones I saw was, uh, you know, some of Gaspar Noe's films, yeah, so not, not specifically horror. They, they were extreme. You know what I mean? They are. Look, I think the no stuff is, is right. Is like cousin like yeah, you know what i'm saying it's adjacent like, to it they don't yeah. call it horror but in a way it's it, a lot of it has more in common with horror than it doesn't have with horror irreversible is not a horror movie but it has horrific elements you know and yeah. it's very uneasy and it definitely is in the family the family salad of all of these movies in my opinion you know yeah definitely i mean the same way that i spit on your grave is a horror movie like uh, yeah. you can say irreversible to horror film too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, but uh, yeah, so that was like when I really started having, um, you know, confidence that there was going to be good new horror out there. I started really, mm -hmm. you know, diving into these uh, French shows. I, you remember we talked about all this stuff at the shop back when we met, like yeah, that's, all these coming. movies were coming out. We were checking them out, you know, and, and it, we were excited about them. Uh, then the uh, torture porn stuff started up, which mm -hmm. I got to be honest, that's not my go-to, you know? Yeah. But You're, you don't like Eli Roth stuff. I, I do like it. I don't, I don't know if, I, I mean, look, I did like Hostel and Hostel 2. And I, you know, I, I like, I like him. I like that he's, a, I like his enthusiasm for horror. Like I, I, I hearken him a bit to Rob Zombie where, Man, I would just love to sit down with either one of them, have a beer, and talk about horror movies for three fucking hours. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's yeah. just something about them both that I like uh, in those respects. Um, and going back to hanging out at the comic shop, the the horror magazines at the time, like Rue Morgue and Fangoria, they were really big proponents of these movies. These movies, each one of them had a front cover for these magazines. Right, Mike? That's correct. I mean, that's how yeah. Americans, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how Americans and Canadians like really found out about these movies back then. Oh, and of course, the DVD explosion, which was still in full swing, also didn't hurt. Um, a shit ton of these movies came out on, you know, A-list level companies like D Dimension Films put out uh, inside the Dimension Extreme label, which had a whole ton of other good horror movies under that blanket. Uh, then there was the thing called Eight Films to Die For. There was just so much going on with horror back then in the mid-O's slash kind of late-O's, right, Mike? Exactly. I got real excited about it again. I think that was, um, you know, my, I think, I hate to say it, like, although I've, you know, I always watch the classics, there really wasn't a lot happening, like, some, from, say, like, mm -hmm. 98 to, like, you know, like, right around the time, like, all this stuff started hitting. Yeah, Yes. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. 100%. And, and like, you know, we were talking about event horizon and like mm -hmm. that, that was like, 
one of the high points, you know, in the late nineties, you know what I mean? And now suddenly this like whole like onslaught of great, interesting, well done kind of, uh, you know, with like an artsy kind of feel to it, like a very European, right? Exactly. Very European feel, uh, all these new directors and filmmakers are out there now. And I was, I got, we were real excited about that. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it, it was just so exciting to be a, a part of something as it's happening and to be a fan of something as it's happening, as opposed to say, you know, if you're a, a little bit uh, younger and, you, you know, you're obsessed with the slasher films of the 80s, but you kind of missed all of it because of your age or whatever. Uh, it's it's kind of cool to say that I was able to enjoy all these movies, see a bunch of them in the theater and, you know. Uh, read about them as they were coming out and as Rue Morgue and Fangoria were covering them and slapping them on the covers. And it was just, you know, I feel like something like that can like never happen again, <laughs> you know, like, in film right now. Yeah, maybe not right now. <laughs> but, you know, but I mean, I think that there, maybe, you know, as, as a response to this over the last few years, there's been, you know, the kind of, I hate the term elevated horror. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's probably the most recent thing that's that you know happening, which uh, you know, like with the witch, Hereditary, Black Hood's Daughter, like that kind of stuff. Even going back to it, like America had it. It's funny, and if I really think about it, actually, now now that you've made me think about it, America did have its its French moment, actually, and is kind of in a way still having it to a degree. Maybe it kind of ended fairly recently, but I think going back to like the like the It Follows and the Witch and you know what I'm saying like it's been having its big yearly big banger movie. Your Midsummer, your Hereditary, like so it you know it it's kind of happening again to a degree. I think maybe. Yeah, it's it's uh, I some of those films I really love, you know, and Mm -hmm. some of them not so much really. Like I. Kind of, kind of got tired of. Uh, I don't know. Midsummer missed missed the mark with me, you know what I mean. Hmm. And, yeah, uh, I didn't really enjoy it, but I did like Hereditary quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm looking to what comes next from from uh, that that director, Ari Aster. Yeah, Ari Aster. Yes, um, you know, I think he's definitely a guy that is everyone is kind of looking to see what he's doing next in horror. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I remember being really excited about Midsummer when they were talking about, Oh, it's a horror film. It takes place in the daylight. It's in, you know, Scandinavia. It's got like, you know, runes and all this shit and fucking sacrificing. And I was like, Oh, this is great. You know, but then I don't know. It was too long. I felt like it didn't really couldn't decide what it wanted to be. You know, there was like Mm. some, um, humor I thought was kind of misplaced really I don't know whatever it kind of left me dry I liked, it. I liked it more than you but I definitely liked uh, Hereditary a lot more yeah, Her- Hereditary that. was great I thought yeah yeah but uh back to inside um bit uh, more about the actual rough plot of it uh on Christmas Eve four months after uh an expected mother Sarah Scangella it's that kind of an Italian-sounding last name for a French woman, uh, survives her car crash that kills her husband. She makes final preparations for her delivery the following day. Her baby is overdue, still reeling from her husband's death. 
Sarah has grown moody and depressed. She turns down her mother's request to stay with her for the night and has asked her uh, her boss to take her to the hospital, uh, you know, the morning of the delivery um, so she doesn't have to go alone. But what ends up happening <laughs> is a mysterious woman just arrives at Sarah's door and initially she's asking to use the phone and Sarah's like, I'm not going to let this weird woman behind the door into my home as a stranger. I don't know who the fuck she is. She just makes up a thing that says, oh, my husband's sleeping for the night and doesn't want to be disturbed. But then the woman goes, your husband is dead. <laughs> From that moment on, uh, the movie kind of, yeah, goes goes uphill or downhill, depending on how, how you look at it. Um, Sarah is a photographer. Uh, and uh, the woman kind of makes her way around the back door to like this glass door. So she starts taking pictures of her and she just, you know, the woman, uh, we don't get a name, by the way. She's just known as the woman, kind of like the woman in the film that we, uh, you know, reviewed a bunch of months back called the woman, mind you. Um, <laughs> she's just this menacing, creepy, sketchy figure. And she just like breaks the glass. She just like punches the glass door of the back and pretty much terrorizing this poor pregnant woman on Christmas Eve. Um, I'll say this. This is definitely a movie that does something that a lot of modern horror misses the mark in, even though uh, the, certain modern horror movies I'll profess to love. It has actual scary moments. And more than just moments of being un uneasy, you're literally scared and horrified for this fucking pregnant woman by this lunatic woman outside the house. Do you think so? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's one of the things. There's like a real sense of terror in this movie, you know, and and that's, uh, you know, and because a lot of it is the presence of Beatrice Dahl as the woman, you know, this mm -hmm. like very intense, like Beatrice Dahl has a very intense face. You know, and yeah. she plays that evil side really, really well in this, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know someone is horrifying or scary when they can scare you by just looking at you, right? Like, not, you know, there, there are some people that have the crazy eyes or the crazy look. Like, if someone is just kind of staring at you intently through a glass window, and you're just like horrified, then it's just, it's just something to be said about that. Like I just felt that as I was watching this movie for the first time in literally over 10 years, uh, which I definitely want to mention as well. Um, I can't remember how long ago I saw it. I, I saw the movie, I bought the movie, but I don't think I had literally watched it since maybe 2008 or 2009. And the wonderful thing about movies is sometimes is that since you forget certain parts of them, when you watch it again for the first time in a while, it's almost like a brand new watch. And with, with a near brand new watch, I came away, I think liking this movie even more than I did back then. I agree with that. Like I, I similar to you, I probably haven't seen this since like 2008. You know what I mean? I, it's uh, one of those things where whenever I go through my DVDs and Blu-rays, I'm like, Oh man, I should put this on again. You know, I should definitely mm -hmm. at some point I should watch this. And then, lo and behold, you and I talk about doing it, and we're like, "Oh, this is a great excuse to check it out again." Now, one thing that's funny, I got to speaking about the time capsule of this DVD. 
mm-hmm. is uh, when I put it in, the uh, DVD previews were for uh, <laughs> Diary of the Dead in the Mist <laughs> as like coming soon, you know? <laughs> yes, coming soon. Yeah, I mean, and, and then I noticed something else. Like, I, I would love to have a nice Blu-ray of this because the, the, the DVD, I don't know. I, I wanted it to look a little better because now that's, that's who I am now, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was sure. like, as I'm watching it, I'm like, you know, I, I got to say, this looks a little dark. It looks a little blah, blah, blah. Like, in my, in my nerd head of watching Blu-rays and things in high def and things and whatever, I'm like watching it and wishing it was on fucking Blu-ray. But I am, but I'm cherishing the DVD as a time capsule, and it has a very nice slipcover on it too. So it's a keeper. Yeah, we got the same. We got the same one. So yeah, we want the sure. exact same thing. Yeah. Um, the thing is, this something about this movie that is just one of the many bonkers aspects of it, and we're going to be spoiling the film, by the way, everybody. Just just so you know, uh, it, it's 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 old enough, um, and I do know some of the fans listening have seen it. And the ones who haven't, um, you know, if you may want to watch it first and then come back to this one, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, everyone who attempts to help this woman who gets in this house dies horrifically. And you don't see that a lot in horror movies. Not real. like at some point someone is going to save the day. Right, Mike? And there are many times where you think that's going to happen and everything just goes horribly and horrifically wrong. Yeah. This is a very nihilistic film, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, and, uh, when the violence happens, it's full on, you know, Mm. like it's some of the most extreme violence I've seen in, in a movie. Like, you know, they go for it, you know, they, it's unflinching and it's, it is, I mean, look, I think for the average horror person, some of this may be un- like uncomfortable. Um, it's, you know, this woman is, is just a savage sicko, <laughs> you know? Um, and you're, you're seeing a poor pregnant woman go through some really perilous shit and you're feeling for her and you're feeling for her baby and you're feeling for the fact that her husband has died. And it's just, there's a lot of heaviness, right? Yeah, exactly. But then also, which I forgot about, mm. was there was some dark humor in the movie too. Yes, <laughs> there is. You know, there and, is. And, I mean, it, you know, because there's also this backdrop of civil unrest. Uh, you know, there's riots in yes. Paris mm-hmm. and, and all this, mm-hmm. and the cops are uh, preoccupied. You know, they're they're kind of. Um, you know, they're they're not really fully engaged with what's going on. You know, with the uh, the break in and you know all this other stuff, and you know, so there's a scene where the cops come and they're the typical bumbling police officers. They have a you know, a perpetrators with them and the some, car. Yeah, some kind of like very like uh, you know unrealistic stuff happens. You know, we'll just leave it at that. But it's <laughs> funny though. There's like a funny element to that. But but that's not really my favorite humor. The the my favorite humor is in the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. when um, this nurse, played by Dominique Froat, is uh, she sits down next to um, uh, next to uh, next to uh, Sarah, right? Sarah, mm-hmm. and she's smoking a cigarette, and she's in the you know is in her nurse's uniform. In the and, hospital, mind you. Yes. Yeah, she's <laughs> in the hospital, and she's like. 
she's like, oh, you know, you're pregnant. It's your first one. The first one is the worst. You the know, like, it took me 13 hours to deliver a dead baby. And like, she's yeah. just going into this very fucking brutal, very European <laughs> like moment of the film. And very she's like, French. very French. She's like smoking a cigarette. And she's like, so perfect. And like, that's like, it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, actually. And then uh, Allison uh, Paradis, Sarah, uh, the main character in the film, turns to her and calls her a twat. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and she leaves. Um, something that needs to be said, um, this entire movie is subtitled. The whole movie is in French. Uh, if that is an issue for you, too bad. Um, <laughs> honest, I got to be honest. I mean, there's a, an, there's a certain element of the horror scene that says things on social media like, I hate subtitle movies. Well, I don't think the entire French extreme scene is for you if you are one of those people and you are missing out on a fucking wonderful movies. Also, I have to say, if you're one of those people. Um, an English dub of this would be ridiculous. Oh my God, man. That would, yeah, no. Ridiculous. It's, it's also because um, the like the voices, like Beatrice Dahl's yeah. voice is like so brutal and heavy, you know, and I don't mm -hmm. know. It's, it's just learn how to speak French, man. You know, I don't know. Like if you don't like reading, like learn another <laughs> language, you know. <laughs> like I, I'm okay with the English dubs of the 70s, of the late 60s to the early mid 80s stuff, because they literally were put out there with some of those dubs. And they were to get to the American market and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I'm okay with that. But the new stuff, if it's in a certain language and it's subtitled, no. I don't want anything dubbed. Like, I think there's something on Netflix. I forget what that – isn't there like a horror series? Or like yeah, series? dark. It has a, You have the option to watch it dubbed. And I'm like, why would you do that? Eh. I, I wouldn't do that. I, I, like, I mean, you know, it, it is what it is. It's like a Bruce Lee movies I watch, you know, dubbed, whatever. Right, right, you know, exactly. Like Sony Chiba, like something like that, but not, not, um, not, not like a a nice, good, well-made film like this, you know. No, like a, like a Gaspar No movie, or or no way. Like I'm not, I'd rather watch it as is. Um, but anyway, as I said, everyone who literally tries to help this poor woman does not make it. Uh, one of the first people to get there to try to help her is the boss comes early. Like he's supposed to come at 6 a.m. the next morning on Christmas day to pick her up to bring her to the hospital. But he decides to, to swing by the house on Christmas Eve because he knows she's alone. And at this point, the woman who has been playing the, the cat and mouse game and, and boy, am I really putting that lightly, right? Mike yeah. cat and mouse game of uh, trying to brutally kill and murder the woman and steal her baby. Um, she has her locked. She's basically locked in the bathroom at this point, struggling to stay alive and a bloody mess. Uh, the woman at this point is pretending to be her mother, which is kind of weird. That is that might be my only weird complaint about this movie is that for a hot minute that this boss even entertained that Beatrice Dahl was the mother of this woman. When it looks like there's about an eight-year difference between the two of them, am I crazy? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, maybe you know, <laughs> that could be like some quick thinking, I guess. But that's, uh, right. but also, you know, I, I, I also 
want to believe that there's some subtext in this movie about motherhood and you know hmm. female you know i don't know like it's right. uh a lot of, a lot of these films have some kind of subtext and i'm trying to grasp for straws about what this movie what if if there is something maybe you know what it maybe that's like you know her the whole point is she wants the baby so maybe that's right. why she gravitates to posing as uh you know as the as sarah's mother you know what i mean and I'll, i'm gonna change my eight to a 10 year max different age difference between these two actresses if you look at them say side by side in this movie i'm gonna say a 10 year max you know but anyway uh as a funny aside um at some point there's a knock on the door and it is none other than uh, Sarah's real mother who appears and well I gotta say again it's another actress who looks older but you know but again my, looks like might have had her really young like I feel like for all the women <laughs> the, the ages are just not adding up with motherhood anyway. I mean you know maybe, maybe it's just these like European broads take good care of themselves they right? age you know? very that's, well that's, these that's... women are aging well in, in Paris yes that's, that's, that's the little feather in the cap here for these, these female actresses in the film okay um she's like who is this woman what is she doing <laughs> she's like she doesn't even know who the boss is she's like who are you and you know m moment of c confusion there and she goes uh i'm gonna go upstairs i'm gonna get to the bottom of this whatever and the poor mom is is in the hallway is about to pass the bathroom and right at the moment where she gets to the bathroom door uh sarah opens the door and jabs this like pin cushion huge pin you know thing right into her own mother's neck and it is a fucking horrible scene she murders her own mother because she thought it was the woman uh coming back up the steps to the bathroom wow i had forgotten completely about this scene i totally forgot that this was even going to happen so that really fucked me up yeah, it was terrible, you know. And I gotta say one other thing too is the the boss. I, I don't know if he caught it, but real subtle. He tries. He gets a little fresh with uh, the woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he puts his. He tries to like get cozy with her. He puts his hand on her <laughs> leg and everything. And I'm like, I'm like, damn, man, this guy's like, that's a little forward, if you ask me. You know. He, his his employee is upstairs sleeping and pregnant, <laughs> and he put the moves on her mom downstairs drinking wine. And man, he's these French people out of control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So boy. Yeah. That, that was, that's like a traumatic moment in the film. I have to say the mom hits the floor. She's like the, the blood sprays. There's some very Argento tenebrae-ish moments in this movie. Right, Mike, isn't that, that's actually one of them. Yeah. Yeah. With very the blood spraying. Yes. Yep, a lot of like kind of tropes that you you're familiar if you're into like European horror. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There's major Argento killings in the movie. Um, not so much in other respects. I feel like there are these minor, like minor homages to, to some of his, his kills. But um, so let me just be blunt. After this moment, man, the movie is just really on. And, you know, everyone who makes it into the house dies. Of course, the fucking boss gets up, uh, ends up being killed. These cops who uh, get into the house get killed. 
then a, another set of, of policemen get killed. Um, and it is just, you know, the climax of Sarah and the woman alone, like there's it just so much happens to get to that moment, you know, and you're just kind of traumatized by it all. <laughs> I mean, as, as the viewer, don't you agree? Yeah, there. So a good kill is when that dude's head gets blown up, man. That that's pretty pretty badass. Like one oh, of the cops, like oh. there's like he gets a gunshot wound, part of yeah. his face just blows away. It was it was good. Yeah, yeah there's, there's you think she's being saved several times, like I said, by some of these cops and and it's just nope. Every time, man, she plays this like crazy game where she, you think that she's like not there or she left or she, you know what I'm saying? But no, she's still there. She's just like piling up the bodies like she's kind of like the female Michael Myers, but, you know, no supernatural abilities, but like. She just can't be stopped when I say Michael Myers, and she's vicious, you know? And then the climax of the film, uh, you know, it, it turns out, you know, here's the big spoiler, is uh, the woman finally catches up to Sarah. Mm-hmm. And she's like, why are you trying to do this? And apparently in the accident, in the beginning of the movie that involved another car, mm-hmm. the woman was also was was part of that accident and lost yeah, her was, child was the other car she was in the other car and the woman was pregnant at the time yeah and her baby died and her whole reasoning for this whole thing was because she killed my baby and so now i'm gonna take yours wow wild heavy shit and uh, this has to be said one of the ways she finally stops the woman is the woman goes to light a cigarette after she's like brutalized her to the point where, you know, she's just about done and, and going to die and, and giving up hope. She grabs a can of what is it like? Was it hairspray like a, or a hairspray or something like that? Hairspray yeah. And sets her face on fire with hairspray while she's lighting the cigarette. And Beatrice Dahl reemerges and her face is like half melted. Right fucking sick the special yeah. effects movie are fucking great i have to say um and she tells her that story while she's like laying there with her face half melted i yeah fucking brutal man so brutal but again um i do maintain that for some horror fans it might be too much for me this was just enough it didn't reach martyrs level mike hill this movie did not reach martyrs level for me and that's why I, you know, I, I think I enjoyed it so much. It was just like that right, that right amount. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not existentially depressing the way Martyrs is. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, this this movie, you know, it's. I mean, yeah, it's a lot. I I, I definitely <laughs> acknowledge that a movie about two women, you know, one woman trying to rip her baby out of another woman it's like definitely a lot of uh it's an extreme type of thing for some people and uh you know i i I get it but it's it's a a really like craftily made film i think that uh you know like i said i'm trying to search for some kind of subtext in the movie but so far in the last like 15 years or so i haven't really been able to find anything like but well yeah now, here's the thing. We're going to give 
the people who haven't seen it a treat, we're not going to tell you the actual ending. Ending. Let's let's leave that off. Yeah. Act, we've told you the just about almost ending. We've told you the reveal, but there is more. There's a there's an ending scene that I think um, you know deserves to be seen with the fresh eyes of the the viewer who's never seen the film that we will leave out. But I will say it is very. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a little predictable, I guess, but it is not a happy ending, really, in my opinion. <laughs> no, 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 definitely not. You know, not a happy ending. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, this movie it wasn't huge in France, apparently, but in America and in the horror world and in the horror press, people just ranted and raved about it. Um, you know, bloody disgusting. It says one of the scariest movies I've seen in my life from from bloody disgusting. You can't get a better horror review. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, uh, Dread Central. Steve Barton is a, a guy I know, by the way, he's a Brooklyn guy. Uh, one of the most visceral slasher films of all time. Uh, he used the term slasher film, though. What do you think about that? I don't, I don't see it that way as a slasher movie. It's just, it's a different type of thing, in my opinion, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, slasher movie? No, not really. It's got a body count, and it's got a killer, but slasher movie, there's way more going on, I think, right? There's way more to it. Yeah, like the, the actual, there, there's, a, there's an objective to, to the murder, the murders, you know what I mean? It's not just like wanton carnage, like in most other slasher films. Yeah. Uh, some other great accolades, horrornews.com, an amazing film that no self-respecting horror fan should ever go without seeing. I agree with that. Every, every horror fan needs to see this movie. Uh, pop journalism, a gut-wrenching exhibition of intensity and gore propelled by strong performances in Doll and Paradise. Uh, you know, and a, uh, the AV Club, uh, a superb piece of horror craftsmanship. So no wonder they were throwing Halloween and Hellraiser at these guys back then, Mike, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, but also you remember all the, a lot of those filmmakers ended up having American films like Alexander, Aja. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. That, that was like the thing. All these like, this whole French extreme thing was like huge in the States. Everyone was all about it. And a lot of these filmmakers got opportunities to make Hollywood films. You know, and these guys did, you know, they did Leatherface and that. But that was the only uh, U.S. film they made, though. Yes. See, now that's well, no. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. You know what? I think I think I heard and I read something about how their experience on Leatherface was not so wonderful and that they're going back to just doing what they do. I can, respect, I can respect that. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They're just gonna they're gonna make the movies they want to make and do their thing, and they're probably quite successful. I mean, they are obviously yeah, successful. They, yeah, you know they I mean, like, new movie coming out right now, actually. Yeah, I mean, and they they haven't stopped working in ten years, so you know, obviously they're, they're fucking talented. Um, it, it's funny. I, I said this bef before we started, and I kind of said it during uh, the the, uh, the podcast, and it, it turns out. Um, it's uh, writer Kim Newman said it. It said that uh, said this about the movie designed to provoke extreme responses inside is conceptually among the most horrific movies ever made. In execution, though, it surprisingly lets the audience 
off the suspense hook to go for the CGI assisted ketchup sloshing in a near Herschel Gordon Lewis manner rather than a nerve stretching you can't watch this approach of Gaspar no while this while this woman kind of meant it in a semi slight i saw it more as no this movie is just enough horror whereas a Gaspar no makes some people like fucking faint like an out to throw up right yeah but you know what that's not really a fair review because it's no. more it's it's like well that's not the that's not the kind of movie they made you know what I mean? They made right. the movie they wanted to make. It's like that. That to me is a uh, a, a journalist who would rather be a, a filmmaker. And you know, what? <laughs> exactly. If you exactly. want, if you don't like your job as a journalist, then then try to you go you go out there and you make a film, and you can make the film you want. These these motherfuckers made the movie they want. It's got gore. Gaspar Noe makes his movies. You know, and they're, yeah, diff- they're different. Totally. You know, they didn't. You know, what do, what do you want from me? You know. Now, here is something that is kind of funny. Now, look, Mike and I love horror, and we, 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 we are not experts. We're not encyclopedias. And sometimes we learn new things, and I learned something new in my research for this. Mike, did you also not know about the remake of this movie? Like, I what? did not I, did, I, I, I had no idea this movie was remade. <laughs> okay, this is shocking. I, th- okay, the, the remake was completed in 2017, released in the U.S. exclusively in video, on video on demand, and it came out January 18th, 2018, the, a U.S. remake of Inside. Oh, How in God's name did we fucking miss that? I, but how bad must it be? But the flip side is how bad must it be that we didn't even know it happened? Yeah, man. I mean, Martyrs got remade. That was a piece of shit. But at least we were aware of it, and I believe we even talked about it. No, we did. We did. (laughs) I I fucking hate that I saw it. Um, But I I had no idea they remade this film. (laughs) Now, here's the kicker. Directed by Miguel Angel Vivas. Okay? Uh, a, A Spanish director. He did the movie Extinction from 2015. I'm not really familiar with that. He's directed a bunch of other shit that I've never heard of. Um, uh, I guess it, it is a bunch of Spanish horror films. But what he did leading up to Inside, a, a movie in 2015 called Extinction. Uh, How bad must this be that it is this off the radar like i mean i swear to god if someone were to ask me that and do a hunt michael hundred dollar bet is there an inside remake i'd go no there isn't an inside remake (laughs) yeah i Hmm. can't imagine like but that's that's the thing man it's like you know you some some films are just perfect the way they are yeah and there's no need for it you know this didn't need a look I mean, look, I don't want to be the guy who reviews a movie as he's never seen, but all signs are pointing to this might not be that great, the Inside uh, remake. Well, I mean, like, why would you remake it, though? You know what I mean? It's like, I guess the only reason why is, you know, to to get over the, um, you know, the, the not having subtitles, you know? Well, 
I'm going to correct myself. It was released exclusively in, in America back in 2018. It is a Spanish film. Oh, shot weird. Spain. Yeah. Shot in Spain, all Spanish actors, Spanish director. So now I got to be honest, I want to see it. <laughs> but I have a funny feeling it's it's not going to be that great, but I do want to see it. Huh. Hmm. Actually, you know something? I saw this movie. I'm look. I just looked it up on uh, on on inst- on uh, the internet. It's it is well. It was written by the guy from Wreck, the uh, Jamie Bal- Balaguer. He wrote it. This movie, uh, the guy Michael Fox is in it. It's a mm-hmm. zo- it's a zombie movie, right? And it was. Uh, I remember renting this movie. Oh, the extinction movie. I'm, so, I'm sorry, extinction. Not extinction. Yeah, okay, not inside. Not, not inside. I'm looking at extinction because we were talking about that. Oh, okay. The extinction yeah. movie I did see. I I had no fucking idea that uh, that inside was remade. No. Oh wow. Well, okay, yeah. Uh, the dude from Wreck wrote the Spanish Inside remake. Um, let's see. Critical response. 32% uh, approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Works at a gut level. Uh, their work is wasted on a movie that doesn't seem to know what story it's telling. That's what <laughs> said. Hollywood Reporter said it lacked attention of the original, but manages to be, and somehow manages to be remarkably devoid of suspense throughout its brief running time. <laughs> Wow, sounds like a winner, man. And Dread Central, ultimately, fans of the original will be mildly disappointed with it. Mild? Hmm. I, I want to see it. I want to see it. And I'll try to look for it. Um, but isn't it weird that I didn't know what happened? And you did, we didn't know what happened. It's very weird. Huh. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> you know, I mean... It, it never works out when you take these great European films like like Wreck when they made Quarantine, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, they, look, I get it. You smell money, you see money, you know. But that's how how Hollywood works and how films work. But sometimes things should be better left alone, like they say, right? Yeah, yeah. It's you know that's what I see. Exactly, um, Mike. I, I give Inside a five out of fucking five. That, that's exactly what I do, man. This is like one oh, of my yeah. favorite films. Um, I wouldn't change a thing about it. And I <laughs> think that uh, anyone who who enjoys quality extreme horror should check this out for sure. Yeah. I mean, the movies we, we, we mentioned, they're all kind of worth seeing. And it's funny, I, I, my, my next revisit might be Frontiers, actually. And I have Calvert. Uh, the thing about Calvert, Calvert is in the is thrown in the bunch, but it is actually not French. It is uh, it's a Belgian film, right? Yep, it's from neighboring Belgium, where that, French, exactly. French is one of the three languages spoke there. So. Exactly, it's uh, it, it's part of the crew, though. They they consider it part of the the French crew. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because that is a pretty fucked up movie too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, actually, I was just talking <laughs> about this movie a few weeks ago. It was funny. Yeah, very, very, very weird, very offbeat, uh, heavy kind of film, for sure. Yeah, I mean, 
So, you know, if you have not seen this movie, you need to see this movie, friends and fans, fans and friends. <laughs> you know what? Honestly, you know, we always talk about this whole, uh, you know, best, most important films of the new millennium. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to put some of these French films on that list, man, for sure. Oh, this this ooh. one, Martyrs, you know, mm-hmm. I would definitely put that, put this one for sure on that list. Yeah, I mean, in high tension, like they all, these movies all did well. They all were well-reviewed. Um, and, and I think, you know, 10, 15 years into their release, they're getting new eyes. And it seems like they're getting new fans, you know, which is great. Yeah, and, they, and they've influenced too. You know, they're, they're, they're influential, even, you know, in the United States. Like, I mean, you know, I, I, I think there's, there's films that are being made. I think that the, the sort of reignition of horror in the United States, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe 10 years after this whole movement, is, is probably, has, has probably been influenced by these French, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, I think even like Gaspar No, I feel like he has his his own kind of thing going on, and he's not for everybody. But people know who he is, and you know, I feel like with each of his movies, he kind of gets bigger. You know, like even though it's his movies are weird and not for everybody, I feel like with each release and everything he does his name is just out there more. And I would say by this point in his career, he definitely has younger filmmakers that cite him as an influence out there. That's what I think. I'm surprised they haven't approached him about making an American film. Yeah. That, you know, that is interesting because he, he is a horror fan. Um, I mean, he, he makes movies that again, are not necessarily horror films. They're horrific films or very, disturbing edgy films but it would be interesting to see him like yeah by the way gaspar now is going to be doing the you know the hellraiser remake like it'd be unbelievable like i mean i don't know it's probably never happened but but that, that's the kind of guy that should make that type of movie though you know what i mean like that's <laughs> yeah. you know if you want i i don't know I, I like that i i think i love his movies and you know i think even even him doing like a hard boiled crime film, I think it'd be cool. Yes, that too, right? I mean, wow, that would be really something. Yeah, shit. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just so weird to see you know the, the passage of time and, and the like, how much you and I have known each other and how that kind of correlates to these movies. You know, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, man, I I, I feel like. Uh, after watching this, I, I watched it last night too. I'm going to mm-hmm. have another deep dive, try to see some of the films I haven't seen, you know, mm-hmm. maybe rewatch trouble every day. Uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of hard to find too, man. I need, I, I think I was looking for like a, like a U.S. Blu-ray for it. And then it, there wasn't one or something, or it was out of print. I really like that movie. Yeah, that's that's uh, some of that's in English too, because it's got Vincent Vincent yep. Gallo in it, and his scenes are in English. So, this uh, wonderful soundtrack by the uh, the Tinder Sticks. Tinder in that Sticks, movie. yeah, yeah, they're oh, they're, they're pretty great. Really good. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to hunt down a, a vinyl pressing of that. It's a, it's a little pricey, actually. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Um, yeah, well, in general, a lot of these like really nice packaged 
scores are on the expensive side, but it, it's worth it though. I, I, I would, I would definitely, you know, try to try to get it, get that if I could find that somewhere. It's funny, Mike. I sent you the link to your to to the Rob Zombie movie that that has a place in your heart. Uh, Lords of Salem as finally doing a, a vinyl soundtrack for that from Waxworks for the first time, uh, making its vinyl debut. Looks like looks like a nice uh, release. You know, no one talks about that film, but that is <laughs> one of one of the movies I I unapologetically enjoyed by him. Uh-huh. I think we're going to just cover it one day. I think it's just going to happen. I'm surprised we have it, man. I mean, why not? You know, I think it's streaming on like I think it's on Netflix or something. Lords of Salem. Uh-huh. I have uh, I have a Blu-ray of it actually. I have it's um, it's in the collection. But uh, <laughs> it's funny. I I even I I almost feel like some people like thirty-one. And and yet, the, when it comes to Lords of Salem, they'd be like, "Yeah, I didn't really like that one." I'm like, "Come on, man, it's good." <laughs> Thirty-one, man, it was like, <laughs> I, you know, it was funny when we went to go to see that in the theater. Do you remember we watched like the Q and A portion, like the yeah. filmed Q and A? And he was yeah. like, "Yeah, I wrote the script in like an afternoon." Yeah, and then me and Mike looked at each other and went, <laughs> "What? What did he just say? Why did he say that?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, th- thanks." You know, like, Thanks, <laughs> I just wasted like, you know, whatever. Well, I didn't waste a couple hours. I still had fun watching the movie. But it, it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> he did say that. He literally said that in the Q&A, in the taped Q&A. Oh, my God. Yeah. And there, yeah, that, that, that was not one of his, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. He, he kind of, he's overstayed my, his welcome with me, honestly. <laughs> All right, I have to ask Mike Hill, who do you like less, uh, the films of Rob Zombie or the films of Eli Roth? Wow, that's that's a really good question. <laughs> I, I'm, all right, I'm going to say I like Eli Roth's films less because I actually Whoa, like. Okay. Wow. I like I I revised my opinion about the first two Halloween films by Zombie. You and, have, yeah, you have, and, and I like Lords of Salem. Okay, okay, and I don't really like any of uh, Eli Roth's movies. Hmm. So not even the Ed Weed for Neck cameo in Hostel Two saved you, huh? That didn't even. Nah, not I even. Mean, I mean, I listen, dog. That that was great, <laughs> but it was great seeing her. Mm-hmm. I, I can't get into his movies, man. You know, um, he seems like a nice guy. Like I, I, you know. Like he's actually going to be on uh, Joe Bob Briggs this Friday. Yes, I'm gonna. Th- that's going to be cool to watch. That'll oh, be yeah. very that, cool. Yeah, you know, like once again, he's a guy that I think I probably would enjoy talking to. You know, I just. Mm. But that doesn't mean that I should enjoy his films. You know. Are there musicians you feel that like? Okay, there are definitely filmmakers I feel that way about. But if someone asks me if there are musicians that I feel that way about, what's funny is that Rob Zombie. Is the, is both? <laughs> He's a guy <laughs> whose music I don't really like. Oh man, his music. His his music <laughs> is fucking. Uh, you know, I'm sorry if I offend anyone out there, but it, that is really not for me, man. That's not your cup of tea, no. Though I will say, those first couple of White Zombie records are pretty cool. Like the yeah, uh, you know, make them die slowly and and uh, Soul Crusher. You know, I even like Devil Music. I like that record. I like that record. I think it's a cool record. The the, the one 
you know, that had Thundercats 65. It has some cool songs on it. I like that. And I was seeing them a lot back then uh, yeah. in the live stream. So they were playing New York every fucking other weekend. They would, you know, they were playing with like hardcore bands, rock bands. And it was an interesting time. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i never seen them live. So I think that, uh, you know, it might have been, they might, they probably, they probably put on a good show, I imagine. Oh, yeah, they did. He was great, man. They right. used to have, they had these cutouts that he made like himself and painted. And he was, you know, big showman, you know, even on small stages. What was the smallest stage you've seen White Zombie playing? <sighs> oh, boy. Uh, the CBGB stage, I think. Really? Wow. <laughs> Damn. That's cool, man. <laughs> yeah. And then I saw them play Lamore, I don't know, four times, bro. Like, with weird bills, you know? Like, you, with Into Another. Into Another Damn. White Zombie at, at Lamore. It, when Lamore was the, the thousand, almost near thousand capacity, and there was only like 200 people in the room, maybe, you know? Um, I, I was listening to uh, a, a podcast that had Richie from uh, Into Another, an underdog on it, and uh, he talked about the first Into Another show ever, and it was at the Pyramid with White Zombie. So this was right around that same time period, because I think they did the Pyramid, and then a few weeks later, they did Lamore. So... It's like, wow, man. Imagine White Zombie at the Pyramid. The Pyramid is even smaller than CB's. But uh, it's funny. I, I, I kind of imagine them as a band that would play at the Pyramid, though. You mm. know I mean? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, that's like, they're, I mean, you know, Manhattan kind of East Village yep. thing, you know, late 90s, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, they it was actually, actually late 80s, probably, right? Well, this was 90. This was literally square in 90 when I saw them for the first time. And I saw them in 90 and 91. And then the band moved to California and they signed to a major and they dropped the big record in 92, the Devil Music Volume 1. And the rest is history for that band from Rob Zombie. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah, they got out of New York and, and moved out west. Yeah. And, and made it big. That that dude is originally from uh, Massachusetts, like uh, yep. like Haver, Haverhill, Mass, or something like that. Yeah, and he went to uh, college, uh, art school in Manhattan, Rob Zombie, and left it. Didn't get his degree <laughs> because why? Because he wanted to do like he wanted to do art and, and this and that. But he was also a musician. He was also in a band, and he ultimately left college and just did White Zombie full time, kind of like. You know, interesting story. It's funny how many people go to art school and don't graduate. Yeah. Wow. That's like a common story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we just gave our listeners the the, the one-on-one of, of Rob Zombie completely unintentionally. <laughs> completely unintentionally. But that's what we do here at Necromaniacs. We give you, you know, some cool little tidbits, some inside information. This is why... A lot of hosts of these horror podcasts are not also musicians. So, right, Mike? You get double. You get yeah. a double. You know, and, and then some, some of these shows, you know, some of these successful shows have like a whole production team of people <laughs> who are like, all right, enough on that. You got to move along. You know, they, there's a guy like in your headphones telling you to move and get off to the next topics. But we don't, you know, we don't have any of that. So. <laughs> there's none of that here. 
There's none of that as we ease into our, our, our seventh year. Uh, I think a little later this year is literally like a seventh anniversary. So we're going to have to do something for that. You know, you have to remind me what that date is because I don't, I have no idea when it is. <laughs> I will. I'm going to, I don't have the exact date, but uh, I, I will certainly remind you uh, off, off, offline, as they say. Yeah, kids. But uh, yeah, it'll be great, man. And it's just, you know, it's been cool to have Jeff in the mix and our, our you know, our, our, our guests come in and change it up a bit. And I think it just makes things more, you know, more interesting and adds different dynamics. I'm going to try to get some interviews happening too, man. And, and, and they might not, they might be like in addition to or whatever, but um, you know, cause like on some of the other podcasts I do, I interview people. So I, yeah, I'd like to get, uh, there's a, there's a short list of some people I want to get. So uh, yeah, we'll see how that works out. You know, yeah, that would be that would be great. I mean, you know, but um, once again, I just want to do a, a quick thank you to to all the listeners, uh, the longtime listeners, and all the brand new listeners that have jumped aboard. We've seen some nice jumps in, in our numbers, which uh, which is great, great to see. Welcome, and uh, we hope you guys are all enjoying it, right, Mike? Absolutely. You know, thanks everyone out there for listening, and uh, you know, I'm glad you guys seem to be liking the show, and you know, we we enjoy doing it. And uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, the feedback on the, the Friday uh, weekly staff picks that I'm posting. <laughs> you know, some, some, you know, some near, near misses, some stuff that films that are, like, not great movies but are fun to watch. Like, that's kind of the vibe, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, thanks for, thanks for appreciating that. You know, it's cool. Totally. And, uh, yeah, we love our Instagram posters and people send us messages and people who repost – Thank you so much for that. That's a fucking big help. Yeah. All righty. So that wraps up tonight's episode of our trip to France <laughs> in the mid O's, mid late O's, wonderful time period. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll probably do another French extreme film soon. We're going to be dipping our toes back into the satanic cinema very soon. And uh, we've got some other surprises in store for you guys too. Take care, everyone, and I'll talk to you next week. Take care, guys. Cheers. Cheers.